Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey, and I'm so glad you joined me this morning. I'm 38 years old, and I feel like at this point in the time span of my life, by 38, I should be comfortable, <clears throat> not just comfortable uh, financially or stable in my home and life and career, but I just feel like at 38, things should be smooth sailing. And uh, that's just not the case. That's just not the case uh, as a believer, because as a believer, we're always changing and we're always growing and we're always um, chopping off the stuff that's no good in our character and our, our lives. We're constantly changing. And um, it it's still surprising to me when the Lord shows up and, and reveals to me this huge thing that has to change in my life. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. I want to talk about um, my relationship with my husband and the the ways that it's revealed God uh, to me and the miracle of that and the pain of that and the ugliness of that. But let's pray. And then we're going to get right into it. We're going to be in Luke chapter six today, but we're going to be uh, talking a lot about my life, which is pretty vulnerable, uh, but I think can be a helpful example of what we're talking about here in Luke six. So let's uh, study our hearts before the Lord. Let's bow our hearts before God and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your unfailing love. Father, I thank you that you're with us in every season of our lives. God, I thank you that all we need to do is, is reach out and ask you for wisdom and you want to give generously to each and every one of us. God, I thank you for who you are. Be with us, God. Be with us, God, as we seek your face. Open your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So my husband, John, and I have been married um, for just about 16 years, we're going on 16 years in uh, Feb the end of February. And there's a verse in Luke chapter 6, and it talks about, it's in verse 41, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye and I feel like you know there's so many times in the scripture where we admonish each other to take out uh the <clears throat> the placeholder of man or woman or brother or I and put our actual names um and I want to do that here in the scripture why do you Jill look at the speck of sawdust in your husband's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye? How can you say to your husband, husband, let me take care of the speck out of your eye when Jill, you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. Jill, you're a hypocrite. First take the plank out of Jill's eye, your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your husband's eye. Man, that one hurts, right? <laughs> that changes it all around. That makes it a little too personal. Um, but if we can do that with situations that we're in, man, what a difference that'll make. And I have some friends that never fight and this married couple I know, and they're fantastic people and they just, they just don't fight. And, um, very rarely will they have an argument. John and I are probably the, um, the healthy extreme opposite of that, where we are good at, um, being indifferent 
different spheres. Uh, if if John thinks, you know, looks at something and says, oh, well, you know, his, his go-to is that should be on the left. And I look at something, my go-to would be that it would be on the right. Um, and not to try to contradict each other, but we are very different people with very different views on a lot of things. We respect each other. And what we do is we really do spur one another on uh, towards being better towards seeing things different ways, uh, coming at things different ways. But um, John and I work together every day at church. He's uh, the pastor of Kirkland Life Church, and I'm the associate pastor. And so we are making decisions not only uh, professionally, not only spiritually uh, for our church, but we are making decisions in our home. We're making decisions in our, our friendships, and we are so different. It's hard. <laughs> It's so hard. And uh, I think over the last uh, few years, there's been a good handful of times where I've seriously just said, I can't do this anymore as far as uh, working together. Uh, I think we need to call this quits, you know, for the sake of being happy everywhere else. I think I, I can't do this. And uh, here's the, the thing that I found that every time John and I argue, I... I know it's his fault. Otherwise, I wouldn't be arguing. Uh, I know the situation at hand. He's wrong and I'm right. Otherwise, I would keep my mouth shut. Um, otherwise, I would uh, just, you know, go along with, with his good good idea or his good plan. Um, but our arguments come because I think I'm right and I think he's wrong. And um, we've wrestled through so many different problems, so many different areas over uh, the span of our marriage. And Recently, uh, we got to a, a, an impasse again, a disagreement about a situation and how it should work. And uh, I was right. Clearly, I was right. And he was wrong. Otherwise, I wouldn't say anything. And he doesn't have the microphone right now, so he can't uh, rebuttal that. So I was right. He was wrong. And that's my side of the story. And uh, <laughs> so I adamantly uh, told him, you know, because I knew I was right. So I adamantly told him I was right. And I adamantly told him he was wrong. And uh, we discussed it a few times and we uh, actually drove to go get coffee um, with this quarantine. Our kids are home all the time <laughs> and uh, it seems like we aren't really alone as much as we used to be. And so uh, for the sake of a good conversation where no one could interrupt us, we uh, drove the 15 minutes to go somewhere out of the way to get coffee so we could talk. And, and as we're talking and trying to sort through how we're going to come to some middle ground or basically in my mind, I was trying to convince him I was right. And basically in his mind, he was trying to convince me that he was right. Uh, he, he brought up some things that, to me, were completely um, not what I thought this argument was about. And um, there are some things that the Lord had been um, beginning to soften my heart to see. See, when the Lord wants us to change, when he puts us in these moments of, um, of deep change, he begins to show us gently God is so good and he's so wise and he begins to kind of drop hints that, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna show you a big area in your life that, that needs to change. And he had been doing that in, in every way, like the same themes were running through, the same ideas. People were from all angles were, were saying the same type of things. And uh, John brought up this, this huge area of my life that blatantly needed to change and it was partly the crux of, of the problem that we were facing. 
And so he brings it up and I know he's dead right. <laughs> I know he's dead right. Um, so we, we finish our conversation and I go before the Lord in prayer. And I want you to pause there and I want you to remember that. And I go before the Lord in prayer because all these things, especially deep things like this, I got to bring them to God and I bring it to God and God's like, are you ready to change again? And my pride says, no, because in this argument, I was right and changing right now admits my uh, defeat, admits, admits I'm wrong. And, and plus, I've changed so much. Do I really need to go again and change something about my character, about my life, about how I do things? Have it? I'm 38 years old. God, remember the time I laid down this. God, remember the time I laid down that. God, remember the time I changed this. Do I really need to change again? And change can be so scary. It's like going on a roller coaster and you don't know how scary it's actually going to be when you get on. It's like jumping off a diving board and you, you just don't know how cold the water is. And I feel like when God asks us to change something in our lives about our character, about how we, how we live and how we conduct ourselves, it's that same, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't know. And um, the Lord just asked, will you change again? And oh man, everything within me says, I don't want to. It's not natural. I'm comfortable. And and the things that God is asking me to change are inner things that you feel like nobody can see, but really the outcome of the character shift, you know, everyone can see the results of it. And um, that kind of goes in here in Luke chapter 6 when you go on, um, you know, when you talk about the, the speck in your, your husband's eye, your brother's eye, your friend's eye, whoever, the other person in your life, when you start looking at what's wrong with them instead of looking at what's wrong with you, um, it goes on from there. Verse 43 says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And in our lives, if we want to produce good fruit, it starts with interchange. It's the seed that's planted that's either right or wrong. And so many times the things that we are working on character-wise, development-wise, people won't see for years or people won't see the fruit of it until later, but it's the good seed that produces a good fruit. It's good maintenance of the tree that helps the, the fruit be good. And most times everybody else only sees the fruit, but you know the hard work that it took to get there. You know the, the toil and the, the pain and the time spent of adjusting and confessing and humbling and uh, reworking that it took to get that good fruit. And we always want to do the work. We want to do the work on the front end. We want the building blocks of goodness in place so that we can bear good fruit. Bear fruit that's good. Bearing fruit that's good doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen because we will it to or want it to. It happens in the deep moment of honest change. It happens in the deep moments where God says, I want you to do this or not do this. And it's, and it's about working on ourselves. It's not just about pointing our fingers at other people and fixing other people's problems. So here in Luke chapter six, it talks about not judging, then it talks about bearing good fruit, but then it talks about the wise and foolish builder, that the foolish builder builds his house on the sand, but the wise builder builds their house on a foundation. Now the foundation's got to go down deep. The foundation needs building blocks that are secure. And, and honestly, guys, there's so many uh, Christians, there's so many parts of my life, you know, I can easily point fingers at others, but there's so many parts of my life that aren't, aren't sure foundations. And I have to go back and say, okay, God, let's begin to work on this. God, now that you've revealed this to me, let me begin to change it. 
And that way, when the storms come, when a pandemic hits or um, a tragedy strikes or whatever comes into your life, you're still standing strong because the seed planted, the foundation blocks that you planted were strong and steady. And the only way to know these things is to go before the Lord. The only way to know these things is to listen when other people talk to you. Man, oh man. Uh, here it also says, can the blind lead the blind? And the answer is no, you'll both fall into a pit. And that's why it's so good to be around other godly people who can speak truth into our lives. Not just the truth that will tickle our ears or say, oh, you're so kind, you're so generous, you're so good. But the kind of of relationships and friendships and and the kind of marriage where you're sharpening one another. You're not just going around skipping and holding hands with everything per perfect, but you're sharpening one another because you are put in relationship together on purpose. And and John and I, as different as we are, I know uh, that God designed us to be together on purpose. And it's easy to forget. It's easy to get mad at each other. It's easy to fight. But I know that we're, we're, we're meant to be together. We have uh, on our wall in our bedroom the, the verse, a cord of three strands is not easily broken because I have to run back to that. There's so many times where I am, am fighting or angry or whatever, and I have to say, God, you placed me in this marriage. It was not even my idea. God, this was your idea. You placed me. You picked this partner for me. You designed us to be together. And he's driving me nuts or I can't do this. But God, you brought us together. And so I trust you. In the moments where I can't trust myself, in the moments I can't trust him, I trust God. And I say, God, you be the center of this. I'm drawing myself towards you. I'm humbling myself towards you because I'm so angry right now. I can't humble myself towards anyone else. And the Lord brings us back into the right relationship, the right mindset. And if we throw ourselves at his feet, uh, he can bring things back together. And so um, what continually happens uh, in my marriage relationship is that I have to change. It's not about me uh, looking out about how I'm going to change my husband or the list of things that I think he should do. It's very easy for me to focus on him and his shortcomings. And it's hard to focus on myself and my shortcomings. It's blatant and easy for me to pick out his. But that's not the, the control I have is over myself. The mission I have is over myself. How can I uh, go and take a speck out of someone else's eye when I have a plank in my own? And there's many times where um, I'll be going about, and I'll, I'll be frustrated about something, and the Lord will whisper to me, what can you do right now? Not what can everybody else do or what should everyone else be doing or what should this happen or that happen? What is it that you can do right now? And then I sit and I say, okay, God, here's the things that I have on my plate. I'm going to do these things to the best of my ability with excellence, the things that you've called me to, instead of meddling in anybody else's business about what they're supposed to doing, be doing character wise or, or, or otherwise, God, what is it you have for me to do? What have you placed for me to do? And I'll put my hand to that. Humbling ourselves is is a hard for me. Uh, it's 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 difficult. I um, feel that I'm right in situations, and even when I am right, there's always a way to see growth opportunities in myself. So even in a disagreement, if I'm right, I have to listen for what it is that I can change. Listen for what it is that I can begin to to soften in my own life. Because in an argument, even if I'm right, I could have gone about talking about it wrong. I could have gone about the solution wrong. And so listening and humbling my my ego and myself to say, okay, 
what am I learning here? I'm 38 years old and I'm only on the tip, the very pinky finger of learning about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So I have to be aware and listen as God places me in relationships, in my church family, in my actual family. I was in a, a leadership group at one point and I said, you know, I really, I posed the question that I really wanted more um, feedback. I wanted more of, of someone to be able to point out my blind spots of the things that, that I wasn't doing that I should be doing. And I was just concerned that, um, you know, as a leader, as a pastor, sometimes people can see you from all angles and sometimes it's ugly and sometimes there's things that aren't good about you and you, you just can't see them. And I just want somebody to be able to point out if there's anything I'm doing wrong to just be able to point it out to me so I can fix it so I can uh, be godly and also not be embarrassed. And there's where the pride comes in. I just don't want to, I just don't want anything. I want to look perfect. <laughs> and a very wise leader um, said, you don't need someone to do that. And I was kind of frustrated by, by that. I'm like, well, that's not an answer. That's not helpful. What do you mean I don't need anybody to do that? And she said, your family does that for you. Listen to your family. And I thought, Ugh, I would rather listen to someone in a really nice Zoom call because then the way I present myself is, is uh, beautiful. <laughs> the way I present myself is just like I did uh, earlier in this podcast where I said we had a fight and it was his fault, not mine, because I can say that because my point of view. But the whole reality of the story is seen in your actual home by your children, by your family, by those closest to you. And really, that is such a great litmus test to who you really are. It's a lit litmus test uh, to how you uh, conduct yourself when you're most relaxed in your home. It's how you conduct yourself uh, when you're angry in your own home, when you're frustrated in your own home, when you're joyful in your own home. How do you make the people around you feel in your own home? And it brings you right back to, to not taking specks out of other people's eyes when you have a plank in your own eyes and your family really can reveal that to you. What happens when you're uh, in the room with your family? What happens uh, in your day-to-day in your -day life? And those are the building blocks that if you begin to humble yourself, if I begin to humble myself and say, God, I am not the kindest person in my family. Help me to begin to shift and to change and to draw on you, God, and be more like you. Help me not to uh, be feeding off myself, but feeding off the vine, which is Jesus. Help me to be humbly at your feet, learning from you. If we're learning from Jesus, we would spend five lifetimes before we even uh, get a, a piece of it. And so there's no point when we stop changing. And unfortunately, there's no point when we stop jumping off the dock into that cold water and say, again, God, I'll trust you because you're refining me. You're refining me as pure gold, which means you go through fire. You go through situations and sometimes you go through situations where something's just plain old revealed to you and and that's what happened in this argument with my husband and I and he revealed something to me and I had to humble myself and, and ask God to help to begin to correct and show and and mold and change me and if I do, the, do these things in secret then they're going to shine forth like the dawn leader if I uh, humble myself and adjust myself if I lay myself out before God and surrender and say, not my will, even though I feel like I'm right, not my will, but yours be done. Help me, Jesus, to be more like you. There's always room for lots of improvement in our lives. And the moment we start to uh, really think that we are right and we have it all together is, is the moment where we've lost touch with the voice of God because he's always ready to uh, gently uh, begin to change us. And it's at just the right time. I always say this, and it's it's that God has a, a lesson plan, a workbook, 
a, a blueprint for your life and uh, your unit one is different than my unit one. And what God's trying to teach you uh, is in a different order than what he's trying to teach me because he knows us, he designed us. And so he might be working with you on anger right off the bat. And he might not be working on my anger until unit 27 because maybe I can't handle it until then. Uh, maybe, you know, he knows just the right time and just the right season. And if we open up our ears to listen to God's correction, if we open up our ears to soften a little bit, uh, God always has something like, will you, will you begin to work on this? Will you begin to plant the seed? Will you begin to lay the building block? Because then it will bear good fruit if you begin to change. Then it will be a steady house to live in. And when we become children of God, when we begin to live out um, the things that God is asking us to change and do, we become strong, stronger people. And when we become stronger people, uh, others can come and eat the fruit of what we've toiled for. They eat the fruit of our kindness. They eat the fruit of our patience. They eat the fruit of our goodness. And that uh, will draw them to the love of God. When we build up the building blocks as a wise builder, people can come and find shelter in us. But if we lazily say, no, I'm all about myself, we're not building anything up. And then we're just as we're the ones trying to find shelter in the storm instead of being a shelter in the storm. It's in these moments of seemingly rest that we do the hard work of the kingdom in our own hearts, in our own pride, in our own minds. And we begin to really change. It's like sandpaper that smooths out the edges. But with God, there's always something else to change. There's always something else to draw us to be more and more like him. And we want to house the spirit of God within us. We want to be that temple of the Holy Spirit that draws other people to God instead of um, just showcasing our own sin and our own pride. So Luke chapter 6 verse 37 says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye. When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And then you don't do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We have to be willing to, to store up, to do the work, to lay the foundation. The thing with the, um, the tree and the fruit is that the, the fruit was stored up. 
the thing with the the wise and the foolish builders is that uh, they the one laid a foundation, the other did not. And so the two houses from the outside, from the road driving by, they looked exactly the same. But when trouble came, one fell down and one didn't. The one that fell down was because it didn't do the hard work. It just said, I want to make this look good. I just want to be able to stand on a stage and people look at me and think I'm good. And the other one says, I actually want to be good. I want to do the hard work of cutting things out, of changing things, of molding and being shaped by God. It's not easy and sometimes it's emotional and it's never convenient, but it always bears good fruit. It always comes out good when we listen to the things that the Lord is saying directly to us or to us through other people that he's placed us with. If we would humble ourselves and say, all right, again, even at this age, even at this stage, even when nobody else will see it besides myself, I'm going to change because I want to humble myself. I want to become less that he can become more. I don't want to become more. I want to become less again and again and again, whatever it takes. And it takes something. It takes something, but it changes everything and it offers something to everyone else. And I want to lay my life down and surrender so that other people can come to know the goodness of God. I want to be an example of someone who has given up my pride, who has given up the things I wanted so that the, the gospel could go forth. And so uh, even in the, the wrestling between my husband and I, man, God put him there on purpose. Even between the times where I thought, all right, I'm this close to quitting. <laughs> God knew and God knows we were meant to be together to sharpen one another, to drive one another forward. But we can get stuck if, I, if we start to look uh, at, at just wagging our finger and wanting to fix everyone else instead. We look at ourselves. We listen. We listen intently. And it's, it's not based on what other people are doing. It's, what, it's between God and I. I'm not going to change if this person doesn't change. I'm not going to do this unless he does this. No, it's between God and I. And that's why I, I like that uh, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. It's not me and somebody else. It's, it's God, what are you doing in me? There's been plenty of times where um, I've just not wanted to change <laughs> or I've ignored the prompting of the Lord. And that never works out well. Sometimes um, those things pass by and you don't hear about them again for a while. But then other times God brings them back around. Remember, I told you to change this. And here's the result of not changing it. I'll never forget years ago when um, I was working as a children's leader. And I had done this whole big project. And it was really cool. And I had made all this, this stuff. Um, I spent a lot of time making uh, graphics and cutting things out of, you know, construction paper, making all this stuff. We did this whole project, this whole lesson thing. And uh, when it was all over, I was taking it down off the wall. And I heard the voice of God as clearly as could be saying, Jill, I never asked you to do this. And it was a Bible, you know, lesson that I had done. And he said, I never asked you to do this. He said, see, this didn't hurt anybody. But you were spinning your wheels, because it wasn't what I asked you to do. Remember this and listen to my voice next time. And it was a very kind reminder of, you weren't supposed to do this and it didn't hurt anyone, but don't do it again. And uh, it prompted me after that, before I started different projects and different lessons to bring it before the Lord and say, you want me to do this? Or am I just coming up with my own idea here that other people have done that looks good? And that translates to our Christian life. 
A lot of times we say, oh, okay, I'm going to read this book or I decide I'm going to work on being more um, patient and we, we dive into that and the Lord's like, I'm trying to teach you about something else. Will you listen to my voice? And when we listen to God's voice and he says, I want you to work on whatever the subject is, then go out and get the books about it. Then go out and study about it and work on it. But we have to be led by him. We have to hear his voice. Uh, there, Even Jesus says, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. Uh, I want to be the same way. God, when you speak, I'm going to listen. Whether it's speaking through um, whatever medium that it is that he speaks to you through a book or a, a, even a TV show or on a walk or through a friend or through uh, your husband or through uh, someone at church, God's speaking to us. The thing with other people speaking to us is it always confirms something. It's not revelatory. It's not, oh, new idea. It's always confirming what God's already begun to uh, to give birth to in our hearts. And that's what's so cool about it. Somebody says to me, oh, okay, that makes sense because the Lord's already been prompting me about that very thing. I'm going to encourage you to do the hard work of changing again. To keep at it because it's worth it. Because every year until I'm 110, I, I'm still going to have things that God brings before me to change. Not that it's ever going to get easier, because otherwise we would change everything right now. But at just the right time, at just the right place, God reveals the right thing to change. And I want to be faithful to change. I want to be faithful to listen when people bring things out. Let's pray, God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you never tire of us. You're always out for our best. You're always out for our good. And Lord, I pray that we would be pliable, that God, we would be able to, to move and change. God, that you would stretch and grow us. Help us not to remain the same as we were yesterday or last year. Help us to continue to grow, to be useful for your kingdom, to be a useful shelter for others, to, to be able to feed others from the fruit of the things that we planted and changed and, and worked on for years. God, help us to bear fruit that will, will nourish other people. Help us, God, not to point the finger at our brother or our husband or our friend or our sister. Help us instead, God, to look, what can I do? What can I change in this situation? Help us to, to look at our own fruit, our own selves, Lord, and help us to take inventory and to lean on your spirit for, for guidance and help and how to change. God, I thank you for placing the people in our lives that you've placed there. Help us to treasure them and to love them. Help us, God, to listen to them. God, we need your spirit in this. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.